Welcome back to the Warrior Hockey pregame show. Merrimack Coast Vermont tonight again in Hockey East action. These teams played again last night. Joining us here before the game uh, here in the pregame show is the head coach of Vermont, Todd Woodcroft. And uh, Todd, well, you know, before we get back into talking about the game, uh, had an opportunity there uh, to be uh, coaching with Team Sweden. I know they just missed getting a medal uh, earlier this morning, but uh, had a really good run in the in the tournament there. I know that you made a decision there where you're gonna, you know, probably more needed here than you would have been over them. But uh, tell us about how that opportunity came about and. And uh, um, I'm sure you get. I'm sure there'll be other ones in the future as well. Well, first, before we get started, congratulations on 25 years. Like, what an accomplishment! And that's not something that should be looked upon lightly by anybody. If you're 25 years doing something you love, I'm pretty sure you haven't worked a day in your life doing this job. So, congratulations <laughs> to you on the Sweden stuff. I, I lived in Sweden uh, for five years. I was working for LA Kings. Uh, uh, running their European uh, uh, scouting department, and uh, I always was uh, still had the coaching in my back pocket. I kept coaching in the World Championships uh, year after year. I was with Belarus and Switzerland and Team Canada, um, and I just got to know the coaches uh, in the Junior 18 team over there. And the Junior 18 team coach, his name was Ricard Grunberg, and Ricard just kind of ascended the ladder of Swedish coaching ranks, and we stayed friends. I was always uh, giving him. Uh, the modern coaching stuff that was happening in the NHL and just with some connections over here, networks over here, I was able to introduce him to a lot of people, a lot of ideas. Uh, and they had a World Cup in 2016, and uh, they wanted to have a North American perspective on the team. Um, and the people on that team like, were all the best Swedish players, like guys I idolized that were on the staff or guys that were playing were guys that I really enjoyed watching. You know, when you got Nick Lidstrom beside you and Matt Sundin and Daniel Alfredson, like you feel like a like a, a thorn amongst a whole bunch of roses. And and we had a really good tournament. And then uh, they invited me to come again as an assistant coach for the World Championships in 2017. We won gold. We actually beat Canada uh, in a shootout. And uh, I've just been connected to the federation ever since. When they were doing the Olympics this year, they wanted to have that North American perspective, especially for. Uh, the NHL players that were that were going to be participating at that time, we had anticipated NHL players, and NHL players have a certain way of doing things um, that I'm very familiar with, whether it's pre-scouts or practice habits or running a practice or whatever it might be. So they invited me to be on the staff. It was hard not to go. Uh, my team here needs me more. There's a risk of you know maybe getting COVID and being stuck there for a whole bunch of weeks that I wasn't prepared to do. Uh, I've been helping them from the sidelines here. It, it, you know, you go against Russia into a shootout, eight rounds yeah. into a shootout, and you lose by a goal. That, but the lesson there is that's that's what the margin of error is for winning, right? Like it's a one goal game in a shootout. If, if you win, you're playing for a gold medal. If not, you know you're playing for a bronze. And, and Sweden unfortunately lost to Slovakia today for nothing with two empty net goals. Yeah. But I've been watching every game and, and really dialed in with the coaching staff. And my heart broke today when we lost. And now it's just you know, give it a day or two, and then you pick up the pieces and get ready for the World Championships. Yeah. I mean, it's really, as much as hockey's been an international game, I guess, you know, really going back to the, the 70s, you know, and the, uh, you know, the Super Series and all that, and that, that kind of seems like where it started things off, where, you know, uh, North Americans started, started to see what the Russians were doing and try to take some things from them and the Swedes as well, and then you know, maybe some of that crept into their game as well. But, um, you know, you, you, you've been right there at the forefront of a lot of this back and forth between, uh, you know, the European style, the North American style. Where, where, where do you see it today and where it's going in the future? Well, I, I think now it's a global game, right? Like there's no more Canada only is the powerhouse or it's it's shared. There's no more real secrets. Like you're finding players from all the different corners of the world and at the drop of a hat I can press a button and watch somebody playing in Poland or Kazakhstan or Japan or whatever. These countries are producing players. And 
I think it's really good for the game. I think it's really good for the game that coaches now have access to websites where you can go on and learn about it from different people across the world. And there's people in Sweden and Finland and Kazakhstan that are watching seminars over here online and they're learning how to do things and then they're taking them and then they're reinventing themselves for their own culture. And you know, when, when you see how many European players are playing in the NHL and, and you know, Sweden producing players and uh, Finland producing players and Russia and Belarus and Austria and Germany, it, it, it's coming, right? And, and I think that's really good for everybody because it's, it really is a game that we play. It's a game for young boys and young girls to play. And if you're a young German girl and you're seeing that, you know, representing your country in your national stage or young Swiss girls seeing what they're doing and the Finns, like, it's great. Young boys, the exact same thing. So I'm thrilled that the game is not just limited now to Canadians and Americans and Russians. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you saw it in the uh, the Olympic uh, men's hockey, women's hockey. I mean, so many players on the uh, on the women's hockey teams, not just the U.S. and Canada, but have been playing U.S. college hockey, for example. Uh, you know, and and your team as well. And both these teams, uh, Merrimack's got a number of players from there as well. You have as well. Um, you know, what's the dynamic like in the locker room? I guess with uh, with the players that you have from the different countries, and and how how do they all get along? Well, I, I think it'd be like any kind of a workplace or any kind of a classroom. Like when you get in, if you have a shared common goal, it really doesn't matter where you're from. Um, you have different personalities, different cultures. Sometimes there's small cultural things you might have that are different from somewhere that's far across the globe. But at the end of the day, you're 29 or 30 brothers with one common goal, and that's winning games and, and developing as a person and developing as a player. So we have uh, people from nine different countries, including Canada and the United States, and I've never walked in and felt it was anything except one common team. Well, last night's game, a real tough battle. Merrimack wins by a score of 3-2. They got the game. We're in the third period. But, you know, from start to finish, it uh, was never more than a goal either way. Uh, you guys had the lead a couple times in the first period. Uh, second period, it seemed like uh, maybe you had the you know the better of the play in the second period, but you just weren't able to get one past their goalie. Was that maybe the difference there that when you, ha- when you are playing well in the game, when you're playing your best, you, you probably need to get results? Yeah, and, and all credit due to him. And there's another good Swedish uh, young man as a goalie. He played a great game. Didn't give us a lot of second opportunities, I felt. Like, we had 31 shots, which is a good night for us. You know, he did he did well. And you look at the, some of the goals that were scored, even the first one that we score, that's a really weird goal that we scored. And then we get the shorthanded one that was a bit of a strange one, too. And then, uh, you know, they get the delayed 6-on-5, then they score a goal on a power play. And the 5-on-5 five five action, I guess would be my point, was pretty good, pretty consistent up and down for both teams. Uh, we're not a team that scores really easily. I think Merrimack is a team that has a really high-octane offense. Um, we're not there yet, so we have to be beating teams with how we defend, uh, how our goalies play, and then we have to look to capitalize on some of those second opportunities. And we just haven't been real strong at that lately. I thought the effort there, especially, you know, I mean, I'm watching guys like Jacques Boucault, I know is one of your leaders, but still, you need him to make plays like this. He made a big defensive play in that first period, and then, wouldn't you know, shortly after that, he ends up, you know, with the opportunity and scoring the big goal to give you guys the lead again. Well, well you know, big game players produce, and he's been one of those guys for us, and, and he's not even played 100 games yet. Like, yeah. we, we did something last night, we were looking at Merrimack, their games played from their forwards, and they had about 1,100, uh, 1,050 games or something. Our forwards, if you take Phil Laganov out, have 350. So Laganov brings about another 140 or so. I can't remember exactly, but there's a huge difference there. Um, and my point is that experience can kind of coast you through a lot of games. I thought the experience of the Merrimack forwards last night was, was evident. Um, guys like Jacques, Phil Laganov, 
they're showing our young players that you do have to produce. This is an environment that you have to be producing, and it's a culture that is based on performance, and those guys perform. Now it's incumbent on our young guys, uh, number 22, their right winger, Isaac Walther, the Nashville pick, who's going to be a really good player. He's got to be able to look over on his left side and see Jacques Coe, who's actually producing. Uh, even after you gave up the go-ahead goal early in the third period, you guys continued to battle there, had some chances there, you know, maybe to try to tie the game. Uh, overall, how did you assess the game? I thought that that was a 60-minute collective effort for us. I was actually pleased with our game. I didn't like some of the penalties that we took. Those are kind of youthful mistakes. Our defensemen took most of the penalties, which is not good for us. Uh, it was the exact opposite of the game that we played on Sunday where I just felt we weren't good for any part of that game. So I was very pleased that we showed up last night. We had some resiliency. We stayed in the game. We pushed back. Um, again, you know, they got that goal to go ahead, but they weren't able to get beyond that. Gabe Carey made some big saves as well there, you know, to keep you guys within a goal there. Uh, how did you think of his, his game last night, and do you come back with him tonight? Well, yeah, we're coming back with him, and that would be a guy that I think is also showing that big game players produce. And so if you look at him, he played three games last year, and he's played, whatever, 20-odd games this year. He hasn't even played a full season, so his ceiling is way ahead of him. Um, and, you know, we have a goalie coach named Drew Michaels who's from around the area here who's done a great job with our goaltending, and he's uh, so bullish on what Gabe's future is going to be. Uh, Gabe is a guy that has no pulse. Uh, you know, we have to get the, uh, the defibrillator out on him, it feels, sometimes because he just nothing bothers him. He's just calm as can be, and the guys know that. When they can see that he's making those big saves at key times, uh, there's a lot of confidence that comes from that. Well, as you said, last night's game was a pretty close one. Maybe a bounce here or there it makes a difference. But what do you change tonight? If anything, you know, what's different tonight to, to try to get the win tonight? I, I think in back-to-back games, uh, traditionally any team that's playing in a back-to-back is going to be a little bit more tired, which also means that you might take some penalties just out of fatigue. So we've got to make sure we don't feed their power play uh, by fatigue. So you have to move your feet. This should be a skating game for us. Um, I, and, and skating with a team that skates really well. Like, I, I, I think Merrimack skates really well. All credit to Scott and his staff. They've done a marvelous job with them. So, really, we have to just rinse and repeat what we did yesterday, um, stay out of the penalty box, which is the challenge for some of our young guys, and then just make sure that we compete for the full 60 or 65 again. I think this will probably be another one-goal game. I agree. Uh, that was a good one last night. It should be a good one again tonight. Thanks a lot, Todd. We certainly appreciate your time. Great to see you this weekend as well. Best of luck to Vermont tonight and to you guys, and best of luck moving forward as well. If we see you down again in the road, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then. I hope you get another 25 years, and I'm there right beside you. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks again for that. I appreciate it so much. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. Take care. All right, Todd Woodcroft, our guest, the Vermont head coach here uh, in the Warrior Hockey pregame show, and we'll be back with more right after this. John Leahy will have his interview with Merrimack head coach Scott Bork right here. This is Warrior Hockey.